welcome to with Here on this podcast, mental health, life lessons, mindset, and tons of storytelling. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and everything in between. I'm your host, Whitley Rogers. I'm a certified life coach and mental health advocate. I'm also a survivor of sexual and mental abuse. I'm here to open up those conversations that are normally uncomfortable or hush-hush in society. Keep listening for bits and pieces of my personal journey and insights along with other interviewees. This is a trigger warning to preface this episode. This episode may include explicit content, graphic details, or heavier, sensitive, and mature topics. We may discuss mental health, specific mental illnesses, suicide, self-harm, trauma. Listen at your own risk and take precaution if you are suffering or recovering from a mood or mental disorder, suicidal ideation, self-harm, or trauma. The following episode could contain such content. The last thing I would want is for this episode to trigger or provoke negative thoughts or feelings. Please practice self-care by choosing to listen in doses, listen with a trusted friend, or skip this episode entirely. All right, I am back here today with two guests with me. I'm very excited to dive into this subject because I'm all about ending the stigma around mental health and we've never covered bipolar disorders before. So I'm excited to get to hear their stories and talk a little bit more about this. So I will let you two introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us who you guys are and what is your story? Yeah, well, first of all, so honored to be the first guest with bipolar disorder. I know. (laughs) So my name is Anna. This is Maria, my twin sister. And we're twins with bipolar disorder. So I have bipolar one disorder. Maria probably has bipolar two disorder, although there's been some back and forth. Bipolar disorder is pretty notoriously hard to diagnose, but we definitely are both bipolar. We started a podcast about a year ago called Bipolar by Coastal, just talking about our experiences living with bipolar disorder and trying to break down some of the stigma and misconceptions around it while also adding a little bit of levity to the topic that we didn't really find in a lot of the bipolar media that was available out there. I'm Maria. Just going to talk our biographies a tiny bit. We both grew up in Maryland. I moved to Los Angeles two years ago and I'm an associate producer for reality TV shows. So I've worked for like networks like Bravo or HGTV or National Geographic. But I also wanted to say on our podcast, we have guests with a variety of different mental health challenges or not challenges. So for example, we just most recent episode had on a pageant queen, Alexa Cheryl, Ooh. to talk about like pageants and body image and also chronic pain. So it really runs the gamut. I, Anna, am a shift manager on a sexual assault crisis hotline currently, as well as a grad student to get my master's in social work in Baltimore, Maryland. Wow. I'm excited <laughs> for this conversation. <laughs> Let's start off by discussing the myths and the stigmas around bipolar disorder, just to get that out of the way. So either of you want to answer, what do you believe are the biggest 
myths, misunderstandings, or just stigmatized beliefs that people have regarding bipolar? I think the biggest one is that you can kind of shift personality almost like at the drop of a hat. You kind of like switch on and off really quickly. So Anna and I certainly didn't know what bipolar disorder was before we got diagnosed. We didn't Mm -hmm. know anybody who had it. So I just Mm -hmm. want to give like a super brief definition. I think that can kind of clear stuff up. So basically bipolar disorder is characterized by periods of mania or hypomania and depression. So I imagine most of your listeners are familiar with depression. But mania is increased energy state. So bipolar disorder is a mood disorder. So Mm -hmm. mania can look really different for different people. But some of the more common symptoms are lack of sleep, increased energy, increased irritability, hypersexuality, risk-taking behavior, and maybe being a bit more aggressive or irritable, as I said before. So Anna and Mai's looked very different. And we'll go into this more, I'm sure. But I was hypomanic. She was manic. But those are kind of some of the more common symptoms. And I know a lot of people associate bipolar disorder with, what would you say, Anna, like kind of scariness, kind Mm -hmm. of a violence or threatening behavior during manic episodes. And in general, with most mentally ill people and also with bipolar disorder, any sort of violence is extremely rare. But if it does occur, it it is almost always in like a suicide. So toward the Mm -hmm. person's stuff. Yes. And I would say if there is violence, it's most likely to be perpetrated against the mentally ill person versus the mentally but I was violent when I was manic. So just to like clarify that one, it was because I was being restrained and, but it does happen. So I guess like what I would say in terms of stigma and misconceptions, the idea that for most people you're going from like high highs to low lows within the course of like a few minutes, that does happen for some people. It's called mixed state or rapid cycling, two different things. That's not our type of bipolar. And the other thing I would think too, is that there's a lot of just calling a person crazy which definitely does happen Mm -hmm. but I think that people would be surprised how someone like Maria for example like if you hadn't known her masked Mm -hmm. it for months like people who were meeting her for the first time Mm -hmm. might have at some point been like this a little bit off but it wasn't as noticeable as you might think also just like the vast breadth of experience of bipolar disorder ours are two very specific experiences but there's so many different types of bipolar disorder like I said there's this thing called rapid cycling which is when it happens within the course of a few days as opposed to weeks or months which is our experience mixed state where you're feeling both depressed and manic at the same time and that's one of the reasons why people with bipolar disorder have the highest efficacy rates so highest rates of completion for suicide versus other depressed people because they have the energy you know when you're depressed obviously you're not the most effective version of yourself and so combining depression with mania can be really dangerous in that way but yeah those are some of the misconceptions I guess. so the phrase that I hear so often that I feel like is contributing to these stigmatizing beliefs or just complete misconceptions is Mm. about the weather like the weather (laughs) is so bipolar today or like the crazy ex-girlfriend and different things like that that just don't even actually makes sense when you read the definition of bipolar I was like those phrases don't even make sense then (laughs) I know know. a more accurate thing for the weather would be like if it rained for like five months straight and then not all of a sudden like it slowly became very sunny and then it was like extraordinarily hot for a few weeks like that would be a better description that's not what anyone ever and that's why the art for our show if if anyone wants to go find it it's a sun and then we have like raindrops coming out it's like a sun shower because (laughs) 
it's, it's like weirdly so associated with weather i don't even know who started that but yeah like, let's have some words anyways i'm not sure why that's the association that people have with it and the gaslighting of their ex-girlfriends for yes. sure yeah yes. a lot of exes <laughs> like i treated her like shit and then she reacted so she's bipolar which is yeah. like i mean yeah. i would say i was not the best partner when i was manic but that was pretty separate to like my overall yeah. <laughs> right like associating it to any form of emotion or reaction right. to something as right. an ex yeah right so what were your guys's experiences leading up to getting diagnosed also how has your life changed now that you have mm. this diagnosis because like you said you didn't know anything about it before you got diagnosed so if you weren't aware of what a bipolar disorder even meant like what led you to yeah seeking out that diagnosis that's a great question maria should i start because mine was first yeah anna should start because she got yeah, i was diagnosed a year and a half before maria was and yeah. it also looked so different i just want to emphasize that again it can look so different even for people who are mostly genetically identical <laughs> how it looked for me is so i had dealt with depression on and off for years beforehand i was diagnosed when i was 22 but i had been struggling with depression for probably five years before that and only ever got medicated a few months before i was diagnosed with bipolar depression so what happened was i was in my fifth year at college my fossil my fifth year and I was going through our time and I was still at college everyone else had graduated we had the death of a really important person in our life and a mentor mm -hmm. and, I, and I needed to finish classwork that I was not finishing and that's when I was able to finally be like oh, okay there's all these external factors so it must be something that I'm able to treat and so I'm allowed to go get medication for it which for those listening obviously you are always allowed to get medication for it <laughs> but you know right. when you're depressed you really convince yourself or at least I really convinced myself that I was just unworthy of help. So, so I did and I got prescribed Zoloft. It caused me to no longer be depressed. And then a few months into taking it, it caused me to become manic. So for people with bipolar disorder, traditional antidepressants like Zoloft, SSRI inhibitors, yeah, can cause you to become manic and to unlock basically your dormant bipolar disorder so my one biggest piece of advice is if you're taking medication make sure that you're also meeting with someone regularly to, to moderate it the hard part is though there was no family history of bipolar disorder so it's not like i would have known to look out for that but that was mm -hmm. something mentioned as a side effect that i just didn't think about you can't become bipolar like like if you don't have bipolar disorder ssris aren't gonna cause you to become manic but if you do have bipolar disorder then that's it can trigger an episode. Yeah. Just like not sleeping can trigger an episode, which is what happened in Maria's case. So anyways, so I took it and then over winter break, I was like heavily becoming more and more manic. My speech was becoming faster. I was having all of these grandiose ideas with not a lot of follow through. And my mom was the first one to say something and was like, you should call your psychiatrist and see what she has to say. I think that you might be manic, which I did not want to hear. And so I called my psychiatrist and she was like, well, are you engaging in risk-taking behaviors? driving really fast on the highway and I was like no and she was like asked me a few more questions and I was like no not really and she was like okay it sounds fine it wasn't it was not a great psychiatrist and one of the things that bipolar disorder is you really do want a psychiatrist who specializes in it, in it because it can present to so many different things but anyways I was like <laughs> buying like hundreds of dollars worth of craft supplies from Michael's oh, no. <laughs> and staying up until 3am writing letters to like 20 different people from my past what really triggered me to 
finally get help. And I hate that this will trigger me because I mentioned like 10 times now on like different podcasts. And it's very embarrassing. I stayed up all night with my then boyfriend and he was asleep and I like pissed myself. Like I went to bed. I was still awake and I was like, oh, this is not good that I'm like not even aware of like when I need to like use the restroom. Like this is not a good sign. And so the next day my mom took me back to that same psychiatrist who gave me like not fast acting medication progressively over the next 48 hours. I just got worse and worse. I was taking everything out of my room that I thought I could use to hurt myself. Not that I was thinking of hurting myself, but I was just worried about what would happen because obviously this had never happened before. I just wanted to like sit in my closet and like be left alone and just like come down from it, but also run away. Yeah. And then eventually emergency services were called and I was taken to the hospital, but first very roughly treated by six different police officers who carried me like kicking and screaming down the stairs and I got violent during that time and so anyways it was like not fun but I don't know why my mom was able to recognize it I think she just like had been paying more attention with like the side effects and had people in her life who had been through similar things so she was more aware of it that was how we knew and from talking to people it sounds like they usually have like a family history it's very genetic bipolar disorder that's why me and Maria once I got diagnosed I was there was like a 60% chance that Maria would also get diagnosed at some point but yeah and then I was in the hospital and then I was an outpatient therapy and then slowly I became less and less manic and was able to function more normally but it was really scary I mean I think that's another thing too there is stigma around bipolar disorder but it's also like really fucking scary when it happens so I understand why people would not really want to be around that like I I do understand that and then yeah a year and a half later Maria what happened so I obviously like Anna was just saying knew that there's a likelihood that I might also have bipolar disorder but I hadn't had a history of depression the way Anna had Mm -hmm. so the way that I found out was so as I said earlier I'm an associate producer at the time I was working on the set of a very uh, low budget horror film being shot in northern Virginia so because of the horror film we would shoot at night so I would show up to set around noon and leave around I think either midnight or one o'clock so this was in the spring and there's something called like spring madness so for whatever reason bipolar disorder is super linked to your 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 circadian rhythm your circadian rhythms so a lot of people do start becoming hypomanic or manic in the spring for whatever reason maybe because the days are longer they're not really sure why so anyways i started exhibiting symptoms (laughs) just like as like a funny anecdote the weekend before i had been at an ultimate frisbee tournament with anna actually and (laughs) i was like cheering so much and having such a good time that I lost my voice actually so I showed up to set and I had to like write on a notepad whenever I was trying to communicate information to anybody on set only one person had ever met me before so they were all like what the fuck's happening like, <laughs> like and then like a few days in that wore off and I like couldn't shut up because I was feeling hypomanic which is also not a great trait to have on a film set because you be quiet when the cameras are rolling especially if you're not in front of the camera which I never am and so anyways During that week, I started just exhibiting things that were really out of character for me. So I was like hyper confident in a way that I never had been before and and never have been since. I started, like Anna was saying, like more risk-taking behaviors. So I was driving really fast, texting while driving. So if Anna's like, I just will diagnose me immediately. Yeah. And so that was happening that week. And I was just kind of happy. I was excited about it. I thought the therapy that I had been in was working, which who's to say? So maybe it was. (laughs) But. Anyway, so I was coming hypomanic the weekend after the shoot. Anna had a housewarming party.
party. I slept over at her apartment afterwards and I just like couldn't sleep, which is like really unusual for us. We're both like big sleepers and that's a, a really common symptom as we said of mania or hypomania. And so I went for like a really long run around downtown DC because that's where we were living at the time. I called my mom and I was like, hey, I think I want to buy a car. Another symptom of mania is spending a lot of money. And also I'm like, I've been feeling like really high. I don't think it's bipolar disorder, but like because of Anna, like I just want to like be aware of it. And my mom like freaked out, like as a mom would, she freaked out hearing that. And so <laughs> the reason it's like long story short is my hypomanic episode lasted for like four months, the whole spring and summer, because I was really resistant to the diagnosis. I saw two psychiatrists and I was prescribed medication by one, which I took one time. I, it made me very drowsy and I didn't like that side effect and I didn't want to be bipolar. So I stopped taking it and then basically had an, an untreated hypomanic episode until I was on another film set working on The Voice to name drop. It was in really rural Virginia. So I was staying overnight. And so I had strep throat. I went on the shoot anyways, which is not a great idea. And like, honestly, in our COVID world, I'm like, oh my God, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so irresponsible. But I had been booked on it. So I went and I was just really unwell during the whole shoot. It was so hot. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even like lift cases. And I was a practice assistant, which like basically my whole job was That's like to move thing, things yeah. and like lift things. And I just like was sitting down on set, which you're never supposed to do when you're a production assistant. And anyway, so the shoot ended. I drove home with the other production assistant, dropped her off. And then my mom was like, you need to go to urgent care. So I went immediately to urgent care. My throat was so closed up. They sent me to the hospital for observation. They wouldn't let me go home. Oh, and wow. when I was in the hospital, I actually came down into depressions, which I had never experienced before. So when I was depressed, that's when I sought treatment because it felt awful. And Anna was so funny. She came and I was like, oh, I just feel terrible. Like, I feel like my body is so like weird and scrawny when you're manic a lot of times you're not really like eating enough and your body is yeah. just like burning calories. And I was like, but mostly like depression was like what was making me think this. And then I was like, I just feel bad about myself. I haven't accomplished anything. I'm just like really, feeling really bad. And she's like, hey, like it sounds like maybe you might possibly maybe be depressed because when she had said earlier that I, I, I was like, when I was high woman so many times that maybe I have bipolar disorder. I was like, no, mm. fuck you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so when she said that, I was like, oh shit, that probably means I was manic before this, huh? Right. And she was like, I don't know, maybe, but like maybe. And so I went to a psychiatrist and got medication. And then a couple months passed and it wasn't working that well. And I and then I got my dosage increased. So I've been stable. That was about three years ago that my mm -hmm. my hypomanic episode started. And I've been stable ever since the fall of that year after getting on the correct medication. Our stories in, in a little nutshell. Wow. Thank you for sharing. So to clarify, you know, these switches between mania and depression can be such long periods of time. Yes. Unlike yeah. the stereotype or the stigma that it's this quick switch daily kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are people who do experience rapid cycling, but even then, my understanding is that it takes days to go in between one and the other. We don't have that, though. We have like the more <laughs> traditional bipolar disorder over the course of weeks or months and then you stay in one and then you go into the other it's not like you're switching back and forth between them which is definitely yeah. a misconception that i had about bipolar disorder before being diagnosed for sure yeah and if left untreated people's different types of episodes can last like quite a bit longer as well so do you think that you guys ever you know displayed symptoms as children or like teenagers or experienced period of mania or do you think there was a lot of masking going on. 
Honestly, neither. Looking back, I and I was prescribed amphetamine salts for ADHD for a little bit. And I and I was taking them and I was getting in hindsight what was probably manic taking them. So I stopped. I just like didn't like the feeling of it, although it did help me concentrate quite a bit, which was a trade-off. But that would be the one time where I could be like, oh, taking these pills made me manic and then I just stopped taking them. But I don't think, certainly not for Maria, and for me it was just the regular depression depression that had been like the sign for so long because with bipolar disorder it's kind of interesting like it's a mood disorder so lifestyle really affects it but also at least in my experience it was really just when I was actually became manic I was manic but besides that it wasn't like little small things leading up to it yeah same with me as Anna was saying it's something that can present in your late teens or 20s so it's pretty common actually to not have had an episode before then and some people only get the whatever one or two episodes their whole life and other people struggle with it back and for a while but luckily it it is quite treatable so I'll just say what's recommended is just making sure that you're going to a psychiatrist and also a talk therapist helps as well but in order to kind of notice symptoms in between the psychiatric visits but yeah there's a lot of different things you can do to mitigate it Anne and I are so close we're twins and even more than that we're really like best friends so we spent no more than like two nights apart until college. So we both really quickly noticed when the other person was becoming manic or hypomanic. I can sense changes in her really easily and she can do the same for me. And I never noticed anything like that up until she actually had her like full manic episode. Yeah. The one thing I would add though, is that some bipolar disorder is pretty treatment resistant. So it can be a struggle for some people to find the right medication as well as with some medications like lithium, they become things that you can do to make it so that you're not able to take them anymore. Like it's really dependent on you. I'm on lithium and you really have to drink like at least 64 ounces of water day and probably closer to like 120 so that you won't have kidney failure it's called lithium toxicity so like people do struggle a lot with getting treatment sometimes i just wanted to like acknowledge that that does happen occasionally ours have both luckily been very reactive to treatment that's good and how do you feel like being diagnosed has changed your life did you feel like better understood and being able to educate yourself on this or i know maria you said you were very resistant to it maybe it came with a period of grief what was that like for both of you? So when I first like accepted my diagnosis when I was depressed, I mean, for me, my depression was characterized by like extreme hopelessness. I'm a fairly optimistic person and I've never genuinely like believed that things wouldn't work out, which is how I felt when I was depressed. I didn't have any sort of relief finding out because I didn't think that I had bipolar disorder before. And it was kind of this like really unwelcome change, I guess. And it does or did for me really drastically change my lifestyle. So sleep is really important when you have bipolar disorders. So I have to get eight or nine hours of sleep every night. The medication I take makes me still pretty groggy in the morning. So I I really didn't enjoy that side effect. I can't work nights anymore because of what happened the last time I did. And because of how important my circadian rhythm is, I, I can't take red eyes. But so I was really focused when I first got the diagnosis on all of the negative sides. You know, as I've worked through it and gotten further away from the initial, you're saying like grieving process, it's actually been quite been quite a positive because you know we have the podcast now and we've met this incredible community of people who also have bipolar disorder or just people who have mental health struggles who listen to the podcast as well that we are able to get to know. It has 
made me so much more empathetic to other people who have mental health struggles. I mean, I was in therapy already, but I've been really consistent about being in therapy since then. I think that I'm a lot more protective and decisive in terms of making sure that the people around me and the situations that I'm in are very positive for my mental health because I think the stakes just feel a bit higher for me. I don't want to have another manic or depressive episode. So I know that if I'm in a situation that's too stressful, like it could trigger one. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be extremely vigilant about stuff like that, which felt like a loss when I first first got the diagnosis but now you know it caused me to end a really bad relationship that I was in when I'm looking for or working jobs it's caused there's jobs that I have where the company would prefer that I work a 10 or 12 hour day but I don't work any longer than I'm paid for for example and then also I think when Anna was diagnosed and I hadn't had my diagnosis it was really difficult for our relationship because for the first time in our lives Anna was going through something that I couldn't understand and I was going to do something that she couldn't understand because it was really difficult for both of us watching Anna go through that and then also like correct me if I'm wrong Anna but like I think it was also just hard for me like not being able to really like help Anna or understand what she was going through I think that it has brought us closer together in a way again which is like so weird to say because during an my actual manic episode was probably like the worst our relationship has ever been but ever since being stable I just feel like a closeness again for me Anna it was a little bit different because I had been depressed before and it was it was really clarifying and helpful to have the diagnosis and I remember like the first winter after I was diagnosed and my therapist being like it sounds like you're in remission like you're not depressed this winter and I was like that is like the first winter in so long that I have not been depressed this is just such a nice feeling I mean I definitely felt very separate from my family for a while I was like why am I the one who has this disorder why is my mental health now the primary focus of everyone in our family why is their mental health not being taken as seriously as mine is I felt Mm -hmm. like very under a microscope and very scrutinized and very um, infantilized for a while. It definitely felt like going from being an adult (laughs) to not being an adult again. And part of that was because I was living at home during that time. It was really weird to have so many people have so many opinions and correct opinions, honestly, about what I should be doing. But like it was an overreach that had not I had not experienced before. And then seeing Maria go through, like she said, that was the worst time for our relationship. That was definitely a time where this is kind of shitty to say and, and it sucks to say. But like if Maria hadn't gotten the diagnosis and like accepted what was happening, like we probably wouldn't have nearly as close relationship as we do now because it was just so hard on both of us. It felt like my life was like her worst case scenario, like to have Mm -hmm. this disorder. But now (laughs) there have been so many positive things. Like I, again, haven't been depressed in four years, which is just like mind blowing to me. And I'm sure I will be again, but it's been been really nice. And it's made me a lot more empathetic. My job requires a lot of empathy. And I don't think a lot of people in crisis intervention have had the experience of having the cops called on them and having to be like almost shoved into a squad car in handcuffs and then strapped to a gurney. Like, 
like I don't think people have that experience and Medicare for all no brainer now you know like it really radicalized <laughs> me right. in a very helpful way and it also is nice to have not just sympathy for people going through that but actual empathy for people going through that speaking to a man who had been formerly unhoused last night and he was saying you know he dealt with addiction and mental illness and it led to him being on the streets for a while and that was how I felt in the hospital I was like if not for the grace of like my support system and ha- being born into privilege in terms of having a family who could afford to pay for me to be inpatient and house me afterwards and afford my medication and things like that I could have been on this on the streets and I there were people who were in my inpatient unit who you could tell had just been cycling in and out of the hospital because that's what passes for healthcare in this country is just putting people into the hospital and back out and right. back in and back out so that has been really nice and creating this podcast and like Maria was saying getting to know everyone but also getting to be more informed about these issues ourselves has been such not to be like it's cliche but such a blessing and yes it was hard in the beginning to deal with it but I think I wouldn't go back to not having it if I could never have another episode again I would absolutely take that but I wouldn't take back what's already happened I think it made me a lot kinder and gentler of a person which is something that I'm always striving to be because I can be pretty hard on myself and others and I think it's forced me to have some gentleness mm, plus you get that. to yell at people when they say oh they're so bipolar <laughs> like oh that's what? so crazy You're like is it <laughs> or what <laughs> or what no I love that so I'm curious what the key difference is between bipolar one and bipolar two mm. are and you guys have kind of talked about how your experiences have varied from each other but then you also mentioned that you weren't sure I think you said Maria of your diagnosis yeah that's a great question I moved across the country right after my getting stable from my depressive episode so also because we live in the United States I've had it feels like ever since I was like 18 have had different health insurance every single year so mm. my care team has really changed. I've seen so many different therapists and so many different psychiatrists, not because I chose to, but just because insurance changes and location changes. I've never gotten verbal confirmation of like, I have bipolar one or I have bipolar two from a psychiatrist. Now that Anne and I have done so much research and have talked to so many different people who have bipolar disorder, it really seems to me that I, my symptoms we're presenting more as bipolar too because so let me just go into the the differences so Mm -hmm. a lot of it is length and some people would say severity i'm just gonna say like intensity of the manic episodes so we've used the words like manic versus hypomanic a couple times so manic episodes tend to be a few days or maybe a few weeks And so I'll just speak from mine and Anna's experience real quick. When Anna was going through her manic episode, there was some night she like literally didn't sleep or where she maybe ate like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich like the whole day. And and is it okay that I'm describing your symptoms right now? Well, I was going to say too, I think also the hard part is when you're in a manic or a hypomanic episode versus when you're observing it, you don't see everything or your Mm -hmm. memory sucks because perspective is skewed. So I'll just say, so like in terms of my manic episode, it was oftentimes someone experiences psychosis. I had a very mild psychosis, but I did have some auditory hallucinations of like Maria's voice. You're oftentimes like a danger to yourself or others. You're not able to function. Like it's like the main difference. Maria was able to function for Yeah, that's what I was trying to say when I was saying. (laughs) That's what I was trying to describe. Yeah, so like Maria was able to function for months. That was part of what was so frustrating. (laughs) I was like an outsider being like, she was like a little less 
less well, we could like get her hospitalized or get her into like some actual treatment where she's required <laughs> to take medication. This could all be wrapped up, but instead it's going to be like a whole summer of like mm. pushing in and pushing back. A lot of our symptoms were honestly pretty similar. We were both very irritable. Yeah. We both had very rapid speech. And then some things are for both, but you just don't always experience them. So I didn't have any sort of hypersexuality. That could be for both of them. Increased spending could be for both of them. I think it's more so like Maria's saying, like intensity and length. And that's why Maria's is so hard because hers lasted for so long. I don't think yeah. we've heard yet someone who's had that length of time or severity. My hypomanic episode lasted for months. I think depressive episodes can, can last, last for-, for months with either bipolar one or bipolar two. Or not psychiatrist, but it seems like the difference <laughs> is that the manic episode's not the depressive episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've read things saying that with bipolar two, the depressive episodes can be a bit longer or more severe. But I think that the psychiatric community has had a, a hard time distinguishing the different types of bipolar disorder and it seems pretty arbitrary. I think it's useful as a shorthand, but I'm not sure ultimately how useful it is because in terms of trying to parse out the differences, because it really does seem like everybody's experience is so varied. And like if you have multiple episodes, it can be completely different from one episode to the other too. But the psychosis is a great flashpoint because if you have psychosis, then it's not bipolar too, right, Anna? I think so. That's our understanding. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you for sharing all of that. I feel like you guys have really done your research and tried to understand yourself and it has a big picture and it shows. So I appreciate it. If anyone (laughs) wants to become an expert in something, definitely have a family member go through it and try to get them treatment for it. It really forces you to like (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) think like really hard about those things and be like, why is this happening? So because we talked about these stigmas or stereotypes at the beginning. How has that stigma or even shame around a disorder or mental health struggles played a part in your story? Have you had any experiences around that? And it seems like you guys have gotten over a large part of that because you decided to openly, you know, start a podcast and share Mm -hmm. your story and, you know, spread awareness around this stuff. So I Anna, work in mental health and I'm not out at my job. There are people who know. My boss doesn't know. I have had to set boundaries around like it's a 24-hour hotline, like not working the night shift, but I did that without disclosing exactly why. There is still this stigma there and it's pretty disheartening to hear, you know, people say comments in that field that are pretty stigmatizing towards people who've experienced psychosis or people who are going through a mental health crisis. That has been kind of a hard part of it. Although there's also, you know, most people who are very, very compassionate and informed about those things. I think where it still shows up for me besides work is we have like a whole episode on this. Actually, we have two now, I think, on this in terms of dating, mm-hmm. like how to disclose to someone that you have bipolar disorder. I personally feel that having bipolar disorder has made both of us a lot more on top of our mental health than most people yeah. our age, especially for dating cis men, especially right. that. <laughs> also um, straight cis men. I want to add the straight cis men. Although there is like a, a barrier still, but anyways, regardless. So that has been something that we've like both had to adjust to and get used to like knowing like what's the right time and like what's the point where it's being private versus keeping a secret. And I think your sense of that gets 
better as you go on. And also, as I've become more and more comfortable with the diagnosis, it's become less and less of a big deal. I don't care. I am fine with everyone knowing that I have bipolar disorder. And if they have misconceptions, I'm happy to clear them up. Or, you know, they can do their own research or they can just have misconceptions and have judgments about (laughs) me. And that says more about them than it does about me. Yeah. And mine is primarily associated with work as well. So I work in TV production, as I said, like three times now. But uh, (laughs) like theoretically, having co-hosting, co-producing and editing a podcast would be something to brag about or or to talk about in job interviews and or put on my website or anything like that. And because bipolar is in the title, I haven't put it those places yet. I am more or less out to the people in my industry or at work because I cross post or like share when we put out new episodes. So people know that I have it if they've worked with me before. But in terms of like new employers hiring me, I haven't mentioned it during interviews. Okay. And then the other place that it comes up with me is in more casual acquaintances or friendships. So for whatever reason, and this is maybe like another hurdle for me to get over with my therapist, but like, I just feel really uncomfortable talking with people I've just met and I, and I don't necessarily know what their stances on mental health treatment are Mm -hmm. like disclosing to them or talking about my podcast or anything. If someone who knows about the podcast, like mentions it in front of someone I'm just meeting, I feel really uncomfortable like talking about what it's about literally because it has bipolar in the headline and like we said earlier like there's so much stigma around that one still i feel um, like that's also like a consent thing like they're disclosing yeah. for you which is not cool Just totally but it is confusing because we are like you know anybody could look it up theoretically and and find it so i do see that's like we're not gonna like print out pictures of the most like embarrassing facebook photo and like show it right <laughs> totally so and then actually i'll just tell a story re- that happened to me recently so I'm in Los Angeles and during quarantine over New Year's Eve, me and my partner and my friend and her roommate, we were spending New Year's Eve together and we were all talking about like what drugs we have or haven't done. And <laughs> I've only ever smoked weed or done edibles or anything like that. I don't even drink alcohol. And we were all like, that'd be kind of fun to like try mushrooms. And so we like made a plan to go to Joshua Tree at some point, which is like a desert near Los Angeles that's like really pretty and stay in like an Airbnb there and pick mushrooms in like a really safe environment at like a really low dose. I've been around people who have taken mushrooms before and like had kind of bad trips. So I was like being really careful about it and like doing a lot of research. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if it like reacts with my medication or like has anything to do with bipolar disorder. Like I'll look into it. Reddit's like obviously like the place that you go for all that stuff. And it seemed good. And my friend who was getting the mushrooms from someone else was like that person she's getting the mushrooms from. And I'm trying to be really careful about this so I don't, because obviously it's not legal in California. But that person was talking about potentially coming with us on the trip and I hadn't met them before. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, this person who's going to be there has bipolar disorder. Do you think that it'll react negatively with the mushrooms and he was like if someone on the trip has bipolar disorder i'm not coming yeah which is like so obnoxious in my opinion this is like the empathy coming in and it's gonna be like way harsher i'm sure but like i understand <laughs> where this person was coming from because they well, no one wants to be dealing with like a mental health crisis while they're on shrooms right and, and they didn't sound because they're the one like obtaining the shrooms like they probably didn't want to feel like culpable but the ignorance of this person who's never even met me like this person 
could have bipolar disorder and they just don't know it, you know, or this person probably has never seen a psychiatrist in their entire life, but may have like untreated anxiety. Like just that like stigma, like we were saying, like, I don't think someone would be like, oh, this person has depression. So I'm not going to come on the trip if you're going to take, you know, it's well documented that they help with anxiety and stuff like that. So I was like, I haven't been around that many like new people recently. I haven't even met this person. (laughs) And I was like, oh, right. The people are still like quite a bit of stigma. So yeah, in situations like that, I think I'm going to just continue to be like pretty open about it because it weeds out the bad apples. It weeds out the the bad apples. And slash or now, maybe now this person, if they ever meet me, they'll be like, oh, she's normal. Maybe I won't say ignorant stuff like that anymore. (laughs) For people who are listening who might want to try mushrooms and and may have a, a diagnosable mental health disorder, I would encourage you to do your own research because I did my own research and I determined for me and the medications that I was on, it was safe to do so. And I had a pleasant trip. That's to answer your question. That's like, that's where I found it most recently, like becoming an issue for me. Yeah. And both of you sharing that, it resonated with me and what I have experienced. I am seeing a new person recently and the first time. <laughs> Thank you. Why did I immediately first... think that you meant like a therapist? <laughs> I know, me too. I was like, no, and um, I think it scared them a little bit when they saw the medication that I took. Then we had like this heated discussion about it and it was like, oh, I have not had new people in my life. Right. I haven't experienced this kind of dynamic before where people just aren't used to that because it's just so normalized in my mm-hmm. circles that like right. go to therapy and we take <laughs> medication and yes, we work on ourselves <laughs> and <laughs> talk about our trauma. Yeah, <laughs> so like, totally. Wouldn't it be such a turn on for you if like a person that you started to date like had medication? Right. I'd be like, like oh, wow. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh my God, like you're getting treatment. Like that's amazing, you know? Right. You're getting um, help. You're actually acknowledging <laughs> these things. That's you know what the problem is and you're fixing it amazing i mean i had a situation where i hooked up with a a doctor student a med student yeah and he went into my bathroom and i guess he was just like saw my medication or or whatever and was like oh so you have bipolar disorder oh my god yeah medication i was like whoa like that's i know because you have the more like discreet ones i have lithium which i feel like everyone's like sylvia plath and i'm like kind of yeah right a (laughs) lay person might be able to guess yeah that's yeah but people know lithium's a scary one i don't think that people know necessarily what it's for but they definitely know that one ellen forney who's like our bipolar at con and we actually have an interview with her on the podcast if anyone listening knows that is but she's an author and a a graphic novelist and she has a story about how like her current partner she was like in a hotel room with him and was trying to decide whether or not to like put the medication like in the bathroom or like before (laughs) he comes out and she did it and he was like it wasn't concerning that you like had this medication what was concerning was like it's like our first time being intimate and you were already making this like weird decision she's like i have a blood disorder and he's like oh that's a lot to find out about someone that you like barely know He's people like into a, it a bit intentional or... about this yeah 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 yeah. that's so funny oh my gosh <laughs> yeah so obviously we've talked about it you guys are on medication and see therapists and what are other coping skills that help you manage this and you know function day to day yeah so with bipolar we're lucky because if you want to stop having episodes you have to take medication basically it's genetic needs to be treated in that way some people don't want to stop they enjoy their mania i 
hated being manic. Mine was really scary, but I understand why some people would want to continue. I also think that you're making a choice to have like a very hard lifestyle for other people to be around. But if that's your choice, that's your choice. Or some people's bipolar is, as we said before, resistant to treatment. So I understand that as well. But if you want to stop the episodes, you have to take medication, but there's also lifestyle stuff. So Maria's mentioned a few times how important sleep is. I stopped drinking alcohol when I first became diagnosed for like a little bit and then I did the opposite. But because there's so many things about how bipolar disorder is linked to addiction they have like a pretty high Mm. correlation luckily it doesn't seem that we have that predisposition but it is something to be aware of as well as things like when I was like I asked every day multiple times I asked is like a very generous way of putting like I screamed that I wanted to have a pet I really wanted to have a cat (laughs) again and so I had my emotional support animal Kimmy for Mm. almost four years and then he passed away this past winter but I got a dog that's really helpful to for dogs you have to go outside with them so that is a really good thing it's just like all the things that your therapist would usually tell you like you right. should do yoga you should yeah. move things like that you have to have a good support system what's your treatment plan if you need to go to the hospital like all of that stuff yeah journaling tracking your mood things like that yeah so there's all like the great stuff that you you know to do and the ones that I actually do are sleep I do yoga probably five times a week sometimes it's more or less but it's been like most consistent self-care habit that I've ever had I've been working on it since I was like 20 just like 20 minute videos and I make sure I eat three meals a day so mm-hmm. I am like really aware of that your support system is really important because when you're becoming manic or hypomanic it's a lot of times as previously discussed is quite difficult to notice in yourself mm-hmm. so having people around you who know your symptoms can be really helpful to catch it early. I play ultimate frisbee. So moving around in that way and having that built-in community has been super helpful. And and then also just in right now I'm I'm unemployed because a show I was working on just ended. So taking breaks and taking vacations and even though I don't have a ton of money, but like just going to Joshua Tree, for example, or like going to the beach, go to the beach a lot. I will also yeah. say to you, Maria, just listed like what you ideally should be doing. It's also possible to not be doing all things correctly and still be not experiencing manic or depressive episodes. Yeah, that's just the things that I personally do. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like I could talk to you guys forever. (laughs) (laughs) So so to kind of wrap up, what do you want listeners to take away from this episode? And further, what would you say to someone struggling? Maria would agree with this. Like if you think something might be wrong, you deserve help and you deserve to ask for help. And if you do get this diagnosis, it's not a death sentence. When I first got diagnosed, I kept on saying it was a terminal illness. And my mom like wanted to like shake me she was like it's not terminal it's chronic it's not the same thing (laughs) I mean of course it is in some cases but there is life after the diagnosis and it can be a really rich and fulfilling one and the people that we've met through this or have found out are bipolar in our lives through this have just been some of the best people so this is so cliche but there's like life after the diagnosis and it can be really really clarifying and helpful to to know what's going on and to be able to get treatment for it yeah if anything we said resonated or if you suspect that you might have something going going on everyone deserves to be the happiest they possibly can be you owe it to yourself and everyone around you to just talk to a psychiatrist and and like Anna was saying earlier if you do suspect it might be bipolar disorder talking to someone who specializes in that is really helpful and I say that knowing how hard it is to get appointments with psychiatrists 
A, it is possible to get healthcare. Even though it's difficult, it is possible. I was uninsured for like six months last year. And then also once you're on the medication, your co-pays aren't astronomical and you can just see your psychiatrist once you're stable, like every three or six months. So I think people build up the cost a lot in their heads because it is quite expensive. And I know that I did when I was pressed, like one of the things I really focused on was like how much money things cost, but there are ways to get treatment that are less expensive and and you can manage as well so and also like you're gonna spend so much money when you're manic and you're not gonna be able to work when you're depressed so if you're just trying to like measure out like the cost it really pays off priceless thank you that's a beautiful sentiment to end off on so if people want to reach out and connect with you guys work with you guys find your podcast where can they find you so you can find us wherever podcasts are able to be listened to by just searching bipolar by coastal and you can also find us on facebook or instagram same handle and we also have an email so if you have any questions for us you can email us at bipolar by coastal at gmail.com or we have a patreon if you like really love this episode and you want to <laughs> like you're like i already want to like hear everything these girls have ever put out we have two bonus episodes every single month for just five dollars and so that p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash bipolar by coastal watch Lady Dynamite together once a month which is really that's yeah. like Maria Bamford the creator of the show is bipolar and it's, it's yeah, a show called bipolar mm-hmm. so we do extended episodes you can talk to us directly there so oh and then I'm sorry one more place we have a secret Facebook group for people who have bipolar disorder or think that they might have bipolar disorder you can go find that at facebook.com slash groups slash bipolar by coastal secret secret i'd say even if you don't have bipolar disorder it's a great podcast to listen to because we honestly have people on who have ocd you know just runs the gamut so it's not just us talking about kanye west <laughs> <laughs> Only a few of them. awesome i will have all of that linked in the show notes below for anyone that is interested in reaching out so i always end off my episode with a little recommendation usually it's a song because i think music is so powerful but i think maria you said you have a book recommendation so let's hear it Yes, I do. And I already talked about it, but it's Ellen Forney's book. It's called Marbles, Marbles, colon, Madness, Mania, Michelangelo, and me. Ellen Forney, she's a cartoonist, and she also has bipolar 2 disorder. So it's a graphic memoir of her experiences with it. And it's a super quick read if you're depressed and you can't focus it's great if you're manic and you can't focus it's great Mm -hmm. if anyone in your family doesn't really understand what you're going through it's really helpful to just like pass along so and yeah and I related to a lot of stuff that was in there she's really funny and I think that it's such a heavy diagnosis any amount of like humor or comedy you can bring into your life at that time and anything that makes it seem the easiest bit less scary I think is well worth diving into I do have a song, although it's not really related to bipolar disorder necessarily, but for me it is. When I was in the hospital, they would have at the end of the night, sometimes we could like play music and I was very, very persuasive or just adamant that I wanted to listen to <laughs> Alicia Keys, no one. So that's what I did. And then I actually, we went to the Women's March right after when I was still manic, which was overwhelming. And I had a panic attack when I saw a cop. She surprised, showed up and performed that. So it's like Aww. that to me. It's really special. I won't mean anything to anyone else, but I think it's a beautiful song. It's I love that. I love that so much. 
Thank yeah. you. Both of those are amazing. And I will have those linked as well. Thank you again for being here and for sharing your stories. I know that it is hard sometimes being this vulnerable. And so I really appreciate you guys being so raw and honest with us. It is just so appreciated. I think it will make a huge impact on those listening. So I appreciate you being here again. No, of well, course. Thank so you so much for having us. It's really, really fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That is all we have for you guys today. Thanks for listening and tune in next time. I hope this podcast left you feeling empowered, better understood, and less alone in this crazy thing called life. If you like what you hear, leave a rating or review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.